sunny day, uh, it's a sunny day, uh. Hello, hello, my nearest and dearest, my friends. Hey guys, Mitch here. Welcome back to the Dead Dad Society. What has been going on? The world is falling apart. I don't know what is happening in the whole world. There's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, the Rona, oh, the protests, the police brutality, everything's going on. It's insane. The DDS, we've had to shut down for a little bit. We haven't had access to the studio. We haven't been able to get in. Alvin, our producer, he's just off gallivanting, gallivanting around the world, uh, around the world, around the state with his new puppy. He's got a new puppy, so he's just been out and about just loving life. But I'm back. I'm here. I'm coming at you from my house today, guys. I'm going to do some audio episodes for a little bit just because we don't have access to the studio, as I said. But I'm, look, I've, I've taken so long off. I'm so sorry. Some stuff has probably happened with Anna Diamas as well, apart from everything that's going on in the world. I'm sure something has happened to her, so I'll, I'll have to look into that at some point. But um, the DDS is is a good thing, right? Some people have said to me over over the last, you know, however long we've been doing this, that it's called the Dead Dad Society, but you don't ever talk about your dead dad. What's the deal there? You're trying to get people to come to this club. You're offering people food, but you never actually talk about it. And that's the thing, guys, with a lot of, with a lot of therapy, like the anonymous groups or therapy groups, you don't always necessarily talk the first week. You have to open up. You have to feel comfortable. You have to get, you have to get in control. You have to feel like you want to talk. Uh, you, you have to feel comfortable. You have to feel like you can trust people, and that's where I'm at now, guys. That's where I'm at. My my friends in the DDS. I feel like I can open up to you guys now. I can talk to you guys. You know, we've talked a lot of crap in the earlier episodes, and that was just so that I could be loose, that I could be friendly, and that I could talk to you. So, DDS, episode six, this is the deep episode. This is the episode where I am ready to talk. I'm sorry that I took so long off, guys. I'm sorry I took so long off, the Ronas, everything, but I'm back. And I want to come back strong for you guys. So let's talk. Let's talk. Uh, I'll take you back to 2016. The end of 2016, November, early December 2016. And uh, I, uh, my parents, my dad, Robert, my mum, Judy, Judith, Moody Judy, Moody Judy and the not-so-bummer summer, no matter, you know, whatever you want to call her. But my mum, my dad, they were on a cruise, right? They were on a cruise. They were in New Zealand, checking out everything that New Zealand has to offer. Loving life. Uh, when they came back, they bought me two different gifts. My mum bought me a planner or a diary with New Zealand on the front. And my dad bought me an inflatable kiwi bird. And if that isn't the epitome of the difference between those people, then I don't know what is. But so they're in New Zealand, they're on this cruise. I get a call. Uh, oh, sorry, I get messages. I get messages from my mum being like, Dad's really not feeling too well on this cruise. Uh, he hasn't been able to eat. 
And I think, oh, no, that's no good. You know, they went out for a steak dinner on the first night. Uh, apparently, you get one, like on this cruise, you got one voucher uh, for, for a real expensive dinner for one night. And they went out, went to this place. Dad got the gigantic steak and uh, he started choking on it. He started choking on it and he couldn't swallow it. And he started choking. And, you know, if anyone, you know, some people that are friends with me, they know my dad. Uh, he's a bit of a hypochondriac. Um, we were never allowed to have gas bottles in our house. Uh, he was scared of them. Um, we had huge trees behind the house that we lived in when I was growing up. Uh, and, you know, they would blow in the wind. My dad was scared of these trees falling down. So we moved down the street. So we actually moved from number 22 down to number three in the same street just because we could get away from those trees. That's just the way my dad was. But he, uh, he got given a barbecue. He got given a brand new barbecue. It was a Weber. Huge, like a, was it like a quad burn? No, double burn, quad burn. I don't know. It had a lot of burners. Had a lot of burners. And he got given it. And he literally didn't like having a gas bottle at our house. So he gave it to my uncle. And it was a brand new top of the line barbecue. But that's the kind of guy he was. He was a hypochondriac. He was worried. So when he was, you know, he was choking on this steak and, and then eventually got it up and got, uh, you know, and, and could, could breathe again. You know, my mum kind of thought he was, he was being a bit of a hypochondriac. He didn't want to eat. He didn't want to eat anymore. I think he might've had some mashed potato, but he couldn't swallow. So they went to the doctor on board the cruise ship and the doc, like, it's very limited what they can do. Like it's very sort of, you know, here's a tablet for some seasickness and, oh, you've got a headache. Here's some other tablets. If you've got anything major, uh, we can drop you in Vanuatu on the way back, but that's about all we can do, right? So they said to my dad, they're like, just get checked out when you get home. So my mum's saying, oh, dad's, dad needs to get checked out when he comes home. Uh, we're not too sure what's going on. And yeah, so he wasn't able to eat this food. There was obviously something going on with his, with his throat. And, you know, like the rest of the trip goes by. Mum and dad, they had a good time. They seemed to have a good time. Dad just ate a lot of ice cream, had a lot of broth, had a lot of soupy broth from what I hear. But uh, so I went to pick them up because I'm a, I'm a hell of a son. I'm a hell of a son. I went and picked them up. I went to the, uh, the terminal down at Circular Quay there to pick them up. I pulled up and I'm waiting for them to come out. They come out. Uh, my mum's got her bags. I take them off her. I go to put them in the back of the car. And my dad goes to put his in the back of the car. My mum gets in the front. And dad turns to me and he goes, I need you to take me to the hospital. And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, just, um, I don't want your mother to know, but I need you to take me to the hospital. And I was like, okay, well, she's going to notice that you're gone. Um, just logistically, like, how do you think I explained to her? Like when we get back to our house or your house, sorry. How do you think I explained to her? Like, oh, I'm just going to go out. Um, with dad for a little bit. Um, I know we've just come back from three weeks overseas, but I'm just going to take dad out for a little bit, just do a bit of, bit of bonding, bit of boys time. Um, but no, so on the drive home, you know, he, he sort of said to her, he's like, oh, I'm going to go get checked out. And eventually she was like, oh, you know, if you want, yeah, I think you're just, you're just worrying. We get home and literally straight away, like, I mean, we get inside, we put the bags inside 
he gets the letters from the letterbox um, and the stack of letters that had piled up over the three weeks. And he's like, all right, let's go. And I was like, oh, like, you mean like literally right now? He goes, yep, I, I want to go now. I want to get checked out. I want to find out what's going on. I was like, okay, yeah, let's go. Let's go. Mum, yeah, mum's all in unpack mode. So she's fine. She's having a great time. And then dad and I jump in the car. We go to Gosford Hospital and we take, he takes all of his mail. He took all of his mail with him, which is something like I actually teased him. I took a photo of him, uh, took a selfie of him opening all of his mail at the hospital. Like what a multitasker. Like he's got, you know, they said it's probably going to be a few hours wait. And this guy was like, mm, doesn't bother me. I've got a, I've got a few insurance documents to open. So I'll be fine. Thank you very much. But so anyway, eventually they take him we go to the hospital and we're there and you know, after a while they, they take him in and they're getting him all tested. And you know, have you had issues like this before? No. Have you had any trouble breathing? Well, apart from when there was steak in my throat, that was the only time I had a problem and everybody had a good laugh at that because that's just a ripper of a tail. But so he, he had like no major no major issues. Um, so they decided to do a bunch of scans. They're going to take the scans, then they're going to head, uh, we're going to head home and then they'll give us a call when they know what's going on. Right. So they do all these scans, do a bunch of them. Um, I think it was possibly an MRI, maybe a CAT uh, or a CT scan. Not sure. Can't remember. But it was a bunch of scans and I got home. I'm back in, I'm back in Sydney. Uh, living with some mates at that point and you know, I go and see my girlfriend, tell her, tell her, I've been telling her everything that had been happening, but, um, so I filled her in on what was happening, you know, had a good laugh about dad opening the mail at the hospital. The next day I know that mum and dad are going to the hospital to get follow-up, uh, to check the result. I say to them, I'm like, just, just let me know, like, give me a call. Let me know if you find anything out. And I had the day off, so I was, like I said, I was living with my mates. We went and saw a movie, went to Macquarie Centre and went and saw a movie. And then we came out of Macquarie, out of the Macquarie Event Cinemas. I can't remember what film we saw, but uh, no, can't remember. I tried, I tried, but I can't remember. But we went to the movies, we saw a movie, we come out and we're walking into JB Hi-Fi and I get... A text message on my phone and it just says just saw doctor yep it's the big c speak to you soon and i was like what like what yep just saw the doctor yep it's the big c speak to you soon so i called my mum i called my mum and i was like are you kidding and she's like oh what and i'm like you texted me that She's like, oh, I thought you'd be happy. I thought you'd be happy that I was texting. You've been teaching me how to text. And, I, you know, I thought, I, I thought you'd be happy I was texting. And I'm like, yeah, but that's more like, hey, Mitch, running late for dinner. See you soon. Not, hey, Mitch, your dad has cancer. That's not a textable thing. Give me a bell. Like, I am pr I'm so proud of you, mum. You're getting on the, the BRBs and the LOLs and all that. You're on the emojis. 
but don't text me with something like that. Like there's, there's no, I don't know. There was no real, there was a really strange way to feel just then. Like I'm, like I said, I'm walking around Macquarie JB Hi-Fi with a bunch of friends and I'm like looking at like the two for 20 Blu-rays, you know, I'm like, Oh, fight club two for 20. That's not bad. Love a, would love to get that. And then I open up my phone and it's like, ah, oh, ah, oh, okay. Yep. All right. That, that goes straight into my heart. So I showed, I actually showed my friends. I showed my friends the message and they were like, did she text you that? And I was like, yeah, she did. She did text me that. Um, and like, that's, are you okay with that? And I was like, no, not, not particularly. Anyway, so we had a really fun ride home uh, where I was just super silent and, thinking about everything. And so we found out that dad had um, a giant lump in his throat or in his esophagus. Uh, This actually causes a bit of bone of contention between mum and I, because when people ask, uh, I just say dad had throat cancer or has throat cancer. And she gets really angry. She's like, it wasn't his throat. It was his esophagus. And I'm like, I'm not going to say esophagus cancer every time like just let me say throat like that's an Australian way just let me say throat lady like just leave me alone but they find out he has esophagus cancer there's quite a large lump in his throat the lump was uh protruding or pushing against his airways or his uh you know um his his throat really uh and so the inability to to swallow the steak was quite a large bit of steak um so he couldn't couldn't do it and, you know, whether or not, just based on the fact that he was like, I want to go to the hospital now, makes me think that there was obviously a few other instances of something like that happening. But the main one was the steak, and that's what brought it on. So he's got esophagus cancer, or throat cancer. And we are having, you know, having all these tests and, and meetings with doctors and I'm still working. I'm still working in the city at that point. And, you know, they're, they're saying it's, you know, with treatment and that sort of thing, it's not, it's not too bad. You know, you could be, you could still be looking at, at quite some time. Uh, you know, we're, we're thinking possibly, you know, with, with right treatments and successful treatments, you're still probably going to get three years. And like, I don't think I particularly ever took in the fact, like, it's just so matter of fact, when you're talking to people, like I would get, I would get calls. Um, I prefer, like I, I made that my preference with mum of how I'd like to be contacted. Much like when you sign up to a a company, you're like email or phone. It's like phone for all important information from now on. Thank you. That's so I made the phone my preference and I had a few calls from her and it, like everything was so matter of fact. Everything was so like, oh yeah, you know, they said this and they're thinking maybe three years if he's lucky. And, and at no point was the, the diagnosis or the word terminal ever thrown around. And I like, I remember sort of bringing it up one time and it was almost a bit of a, it was like, yeah, no, this is, this is terminal. This is not a you know, if he's very lucky, if something, you know, drastic happens, then yeah, but this is not a, you, he's not coming back from this. It's just a matter of how long at this point. And like actually hearing that, it's like, okay, yep, cool. That's the, that's the killer. That's the, that's the one that stabs you in the heart kind of thing. And like my dad's very, my dad's very old school. 
um, you know, we'd sit down and, and watch the football together and I'd say, you know, how you go? Like, how you feeling? Like, and he'd go, yeah, good. Yeah. No, like, how are you feeling though? Like, you know, I don't want to bring you down or anything, but like, it's very serious news. Yeah, mate. Yeah, yeah. How's, how's your girlfriend? How's Lou? And just change the subject constantly. All right. Now I, coming into, coming into the end of 2016, so I'd been with my girlfriend for a while and I was already planning on proposing to her, but I hadn't, you know, hadn't particularly locked in anything or, or locked stuff down. Um, but, you know, that was definitely in the back of my head. And they're saying, you know, for dad, it's terminal and it's three years. And I was like, okay, you know, within the next three years, I want to, you know, I want to see, you know, I want him to see me walk down the aisle. And I, that was a joke, but I want to, I want him to be at my wedding. And then they said that they found something else in a portal vein. I'm not exactly sure where that is, but they found something in a portal vein and it was along the lines of, uh, that you can't operate on the portal vein. Um, so they needed to up the radiation, up the chemo. And at this point, the way that it was spreading, because it had spread to a portal vein means that it's probably going to spread other places. And now we're looking at a year. So they're saying a year, 18 months, if we're lucky, like this is, this is a couple of weeks, maybe a month that we've gone from absolutely nothing wrong to three years to 18 months max, you know, 18 months if you're lucky. And so he starts having, you know, all the radiation, the chemo again, all that sort of thing. And they start, you know, they're working, you know, some of the, the lumps are, are getting smaller, but the problem is, is, you know, his, his blood, his blood work is not great. So they're worried about his blood work, but I'm, uh, you know, I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about the, the proposal side of things. And I'm thinking like, I want to propose to my, she's my now wife, but I want to propose to my wife. And I, I, I say that to my mum and my dad and you know, they're very happy and they, they really like her and, and all that sort of thing. And, um, I remember dad pulled me aside, like, and he was like, how much do you need? And I was like, for what? And he's like, for the ring. I was like, Oh no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. And he's like, nah, whatever you, whatever you need, I'll, I'll give you half. And I was like, Oh wow. Thanks. Like, and he goes, no, I just want to make sure, I want to make sure you're set up. I was like, okay. It was that sort of thing, like that sort of terminology where it's like, make sure you're set up that start again, starts to really hit home. And that, but that's just the kind of guy he was, you know, like he'd always, he'd always look out for you. Like give you the, I almost said, give you the skin off his back. That's definitely not the saying. Give you the shirt off his back. You know, he'd probably, he would give you the skin um, if he could, I guess that's disgusting, but he probably would if you would let him. But so yeah, I'm thinking about proposing. or not thinking about it. I'm, I'm planning on proposing. God, I hope she doesn't listen to this. Um, I am going to propose and I, I throw the idea to my parents and they're very happy and my dad offers me the money. And then, so we, you know, we're finding out that it's, that it's spread. And like I said, the blood work wasn't particularly good. And 
then we find out that it has spread even further. At this point, we're talking about it spreading to his spine, his brain, and his liver. And that's when things come down to nine months, if you're lucky. So like I said, three years to 18 months, to 12 months, to nine months, if you're lucky. And at this point, it's early 2017. So I am working in a job that I don't particularly care about. And, you know, there's a bit of a change of management in this job and things change and I don't particularly get along with the new people. And I just thought that there was bigger things in life. So I had a chat to my girlfriend who was then my fiance. I forgot the bit where I proposed. Whoops, forgot that story part. Yeah, she said yes. Anyway, well, she's my wife now. So I feel like you knew that. But I quit my job. Quit my job. I was like, I don't need this. Like I've got so much more important stuff to worry about. I moved in where my girlfriend, fiance, was living um, which was a very lucky situation. It was a grandparent's house, so it was you know free of rent, just paying utilities. So I mean, I could spend a lot of time up on the coast with dad, looking after dad, helping mum, and then you know a lot of chat around selling the house, you know, downsizing if mum's going to be by herself. She doesn't want to be stuck with this giant house. So they're doing, you know, they've got they've got it all in all these different places: liver, brain, spine. And then, of course, the OG in the in the throat, esophagus, sorry, mum, in the throat. They're doing radiation, and the radiation actually does seem to be working. So it's, it's, it is still, it's still shrinking, but they're saying it's still terminal, and it's very, very rushed. So we think we've got about nine months to, to get this together. Um, so we organize, so we organize our wedding for September. Uh, which was the you know the next sort of available time that we could really do. We've got this wedding in September. I'm doing I'm doing shows with the Sydney Comedy Festival. And yeah, so I'm doing shows as part of the the Sydney Comedy Fest showcase where we tour all around the country, you know, going up to Queensland and uh, all around New South Wales. And luckily, one of the shows was a show in Gosford, so at the Laycock Street Theatre. Uh, I got tickets for my mom and dad and, and my girlfriend or fiance and they came along and they saw the show, you know, it's packed, packed out Lake Oak Street Theatre, amazing lineup, you know, you're talking Reese Nicholson, Luke Heggie, all these amazing, amazing comedians. And dad, dad was always a really big fan of Luke Heggie. Like he was one of the first comedians that I ever booked when I used to run comedy nights and dad was always super impressed, like to the point where he would, you know, ask about him and he... He got given a, um, at that Gosford show, Luke actually gave him a bottle opener, which is still, you know, he still, well, he doesn't have it anymore, but it still sits, you know, pride of place with a, a few of his things. Um, so dad really loved that. But so dad came along and watched the show and got to see me do stand up, you know, in my local hometown, the big theater there. And that was really good. And a few people have commented about how good he looked, you know, his, his hair was coming back and he, you know, he had a bit of weight on and he just looked happy and things, things were good. Things were going good. I think that was probably April, maybe May. And then 
uh, his they went to do some more treatments, some more chemo, some more radiation to see if we could keep doing uh, doing the good stuff. And then his blood work was way too low. His platelets were way too low. And they decided to cut treatment altogether. So at that point, they're saying that for quality of life, would you rather you know, spend the last few months coming in and out of here, being horribly sick, uh, not really getting to spend quality time with people or, or head home and, and try to enjoy your, you know, your few months. And, you know, we fast forward a little bit when it's, when the diagnosis is, is fully properly bad. My, you know, my, my uncle, uh, organizes a football day for my dad. So the club that he used to play at when he was, uh, when I was really young, the club, the rugby club he used to play at, the rugby club he used to coach at, he used to run the canteen. Uh, they threw on a bit of a footy day. All the old boys got together and came down for that and, you know, watched the, watched the teams run around or not run it. Sorry. That's really weird. <laughs> That'd be a strange day. Just a bunch of old men be like, yeah, run around boys. Good on yous. Love it. Now they watched the teams play third grade, second grade, first grade, watch the boys get up. Uh, so the Arimba Razorbacks went and watched them. And my uncle put on that day and, you know, there was, there was, there was a smile on his face. You know, there was a, a video of him handing out the Jersey to the first grade captain for the day, you know, a bit of a sentimental thing. And there's, you know, photos of him having beers with neighbors and friends and my uncle and everything. And it was great. It was, it was so good. The wet, like the weddings, the weddings coming up. He, you know, he seemed happy. He, like, it was probably the worst. That was the worst diagnosis of all, of course, that, you know, you've got not long left, but we had that, the show in Gosford, where he came. And this is a silly thing, but in my birthday in July, we went to All You Can Eat. And like, I remember him and I just mucking around with him eating, like I literally went to All You Can Eat and he just had soup and, and ice cream, but there's still the same amount of what you would have at an All You Can Eat. And bread and butter pudding. Whereas, you know, I'm having all these plates of different Chinese and, you know, sushi and roast dinners and all that sort of stuff. But he's, you know, he's keeping up with me with plates, but it's all just ice cream and soups. So, so we used to muck around with that. We had that time. We had the good footy day. The wedding's coming up. We just got to get into that. And things, you know, things felt good. So, you know, he's in and out of hospital. In and out of hospital like crazy, like constantly. You know, there's some sort of some some sort of infection, some sort of problem, and or he's he's not well and needs to go in, and and that's that's just what it is. That's that's what those sort of illnesses are. But I remember like spending a lot of time with him, like going to radiation. I'd catch the train up, get off at, uh, get off at Gosford station, get the courtesy bus up to the station. Cause I'm overweight. Have a chat to the driver. How are you? Yep. Here to see dad again. Yep. Yep. And go in and, and go to this radiation. And it was good times. Like we'd talk about gigs and we'd have a laugh see what's in the news. He'd tease me about the Cronulla Sharks, but, you know, he went for the Melbourne Storm. Sharks won in 2016, so how does that feel, Bobby? But Storm would go on to win in 2017, so he was happy with that. He was happy with that. Coming up to the wedding, 
and it's early September. The wedding's at the end of September. And he says he doesn't feel too good. And we go, we're going to get checked. And the, the update was along the lines of about the growth of it all and the how bad the blood work was. And at this point, it was like three months, like well and truly three months if you're lucky. There's, he doesn't have much hair. Like he always had a moustache. The whole time I was growing up, he always had a moustache and that was still there. Like it was a lot thinner, but that was still there. And his hair was very thinned out. You know, it's very frail, bruising on the arms and all the, you know, needles and everything. And just, just a bit of a shell, you know. But we get to the wedding. We uh, organize a wheelchair for him to come to the wedding and to be there. And it's, uh, you know, he, he was there. Like I, I went and helped, I went and helped mum uh, get him into the hotel. So they stayed in a hotel the night before the wedding, obviously the night of or day of the wedding too. But so they, they were there. I went and saw them and, and helped them. And, you know, neighbours gave us presents and, you know, mum made sure that I had to call the neighbours and thank them. But I'm like, oh, then the neighbours will understand I have more important pressing things to worry about. Like, I don't know, going to my wedding or my dying dad. I'm not going to call the neighbours and thank them for a candle. Uh, I'll send them a letter later or a thank you card. So, you know, we're, we're at the wedding and he's there. And he's happy, and you know my my brother's there, my uh, my niece and nephew are there, all of my wife's family, you know his my dad's brother, dad's brother's wife, um, all that like everyone's around. There's you know people that I grew up with, their parents, all my friends. You know it was just he seemed really happy, and he was just look you know looking around and making jokes, and we got a photo of of him and I at the wedding. He's literally, I don't know how the photographer managed to catch this, but it was a moment where like him and I were just talking and then he just literally just leant over to, like I thought he wanted to hold my hand. Like he was trying to hold my hand and then he told me to pull his finger. And I pulled his finger and he just laughed. I don't know if he farted, but he just laughed. And somehow the photographer got that photo. Like it's it's crazy that uh, they happened to be there at that exact moment that my dad was being juvenile, but I loved it. So the wedding, you know, wedding was good. You know, mum and dad went home kind of early and we, you know, raged on into the night, if you will. But I, I pushed dad, I pushed dad out to the car, uh, took him to the car and, uh, you know, helped him into the car and stuff. And before he got in the car, he hugged me and said he was happy for me and he loved me. And, you know, that, that really sucked, but that was, that was really sweet. Like that's a, that's a memory that I'll have obviously forever, but so that was really nice. And then obviously went on, uh, you know, went back inside and, and then we went on the honeymoon. And now I need to preface this. When I was, when I was 10 years old, uh, my, my grandma died. But so my grandma died on a Sunday night or a Monday morning. And on the Monday morning, I was supposed to be going to Canberra on my year five school excursion, which I think is by law what every school in New South Wales has to do. You have to go to Canberra at some point, 
right? So we're going down to Questacon, we're going to the AIS, I'm gonna see how fast I can bowl, I'm gonna drop myself off that thing at Questacon, it's gonna be great. But I'm looking forward to this trip so badly and I knew that my grandma was sick and my mum had been spending time with her in her nursing home. I was sleeping in my mum's bed because I had to get up super early to get the bus to Canberra. And I remember my mum coming in at about 4 a.m. And she was she started to cry. And I was like, what's wrong? And she was like, oh, nothing, nothing. Go back to sleep. And I was like, okay. And I went to Canberra and I had a great time. And then when I came back from Canberra, when my mum picked me up, she was like, oh, I've got something to tell you. And then she told me that my grandma had passed away and that she had actually passed away on that night. But my mum didn't tell me because she didn't want to ruin my trip, which is, in you know, it's, it's crazy, but it's also, it's a really beautiful thing. Like, you know, as an adult, I'm like, wow, that's, you know, as a kid, I didn't particularly understand. I was like, what? Like, just tell me, like, how could you kill her? But as an adult, I understand that, like, she's looking out for me. Um, she doesn't want me going to Canberra, thinking about that the whole time. Like, she doesn't want me up Telstra Tower, just like, ah, granny. <laughs> I'm closer to you, Granny. I'm up Telstra Tower. That's she doesn't want that. She doesn't want that. So Mum had a history. So when we went on the honeymoon, I said to her, I was like, "Look, please, like we went to we went to Vanuatu, um, my wife and I, and I said, look, just please, if anything happens to Dad or you think anything's going to happen, anything's going to happen to him, can you just call me or message me to call you? Like I don't care. This isn't going to ruin the honeymoon." this is more important. Like, it's good that we get to go on the honeymoon, but please just let me know. She's like, yeah, yeah, I will. I will. And I'm like, you're not taking me seriously. Like I need, like, I'm going to, I'm getting to the point where I'm going to ask you to send me a photo of dad with the day's newspaper so I can see the date. So you can prove it. Like, and don't like weekend at Bernie's him either. Like, I'll know. I'll know. We're on the, we're on the honeymoon. The honeymoon's good. Honeymoon is great. We get back, you know, we see my wife's family and then we go up and see my mum and dad and, you know, it's, it's great to see him. He doesn't look particularly good at this point. Um, the lounge in our main lounge room at my mum and dad's house is, is now just a bed. Uh, he's in, I think it's a respite. He's just, you know, sits there, watches TV, you know, doesn't do much else. A few weeks pass, you know, he's, he's doing okay. His birthday... His birthday, so he turns 68. He turns 68. And that's a weird thing. You're like, what do I buy? What do I buy a 68-year-old man who has terminal cancer and three months to live? Like, I'm not going, oh, look, it's a it's a 2018 planner. Ooh, we're being optimistic. All right, let's try and we'll fill out January and then we'll, we'll go from there. But I don't know. Yeah, we got him like a nice blanket. Because we thought that'd be nice. And he did really like it. And we actually have that blanket now. But that's all you can... There's nothing really you can do. You know, like, he couldn't... Like, if it was some sort of other illness that wasn't affecting his throat where he could eat, I would have just bought him, like, a smorgasbord of everything that he loves. And he can just have a, you know, a last meal-style pig out, like a man on death row, literally... You know, have a have a bucket of chicken and this and that and all your favourites. But he couldn't really eat, so I think he had jelly and maybe some like pound cake with custard or something. But we bought him an ice blanket, and then Mum's birthday is a couple of 
day, a couple of days. Mum's birthday is like a week and a half after dad's. So hers is like the 22nd. We take her out for lunch. One of the neighbours uh, like keeps an eye on dad. And I mean, like keeps an eye on, che- on the sense of like checks in with him every now and then. Um, he wasn't strong enough to come out. But yeah, mum was turning 70. So it was a big one. So you know, she had her family up and, and all that sort of stuff. And it was... It was really nice. Like we went to a hotel and, and you know, I think that was the first time that I saw mum happy for a while as well because she'd been, you know, so constant looking after dad and watching him deteriorate and that's someone that she's been with for her, you know, majority of her life and watching them become the person that they're not um, on top of like dad when he was in pain or, um, you know, whatever, he could be quite snappy and that's not the kind of person he was either. Um, so seeing that is quite like, I, you know, I had a few times where I'm like, don't, like, don't talk to her like that. Like if you, I know you're sore, I know you're in pain, like talk to me like that, but don't talk to mum like that. Like she's just doing her best. Like, talk to me like that. Like I, I do stand up comedy. I, uh, I can take a beating. I'm not worried about what people can say. Marino, so we had mum's birthday, dad's birthday. And it comes to the end of the end of October. The end of October it was a Sunday. It was a Sunday night. And mum rang me and said, Oh, I don't think I don't think your dad's too good. Um, I think we should probably take him to the hospital. So, you know, we had hopped in the car, my wife and I, and went up to see them. And when I got there, dad was sort of, he was in the bed, but he was mucking around saying, you know, mum was making too much of it and he was all right. And, um, you know, don't stress about me. I'm fine. That kind of thing. And then my wife and my mum went into the kitchen. My dad pulled me like in close, closer to him. And he was like, can you call an ambulance? And I was like, you just said you were fine. And he was like, I didn't want her to call one um, because I don't want her to do it. I don't want her last memory of me. Kind of along the lines of, I don't want her last memory of me in this house is her calling an ambulance for me. So I went, so we called an ambulance and the ambulance came. And then much to mum's surprise, in all honesty, she didn't, um, she wasn't expecting guests, but so dad, the ambulance come, they check him out and they say, yeah, we should take you to the hospital. Our dad and his dog, my dog, Ali, a little Kelpie, the best of friends, the best of friends. And I remember them putting dad, you know, taking him out, putting him in the ambulance. And I remember Ali looking through the window at him and like just the idea that because that was the last time he was ever at home and the idea that Ali looking at him thinking like where's where's he going like what's he he's going on a he's going on a on a human walk where's he off to that breaks my heart and not and the fact that because Ali you know dad and Ali dad was very obsessed with Ali but the idea that he would just he just left. Like obviously, there's bigger things in the on the bigger things boiling, but he left and particularly properly get to say goodbye. And I know that's silly. It's a dog, but 
that's just something that really stuck with me. Um, because I mean, they're part of the, they are part of the family, and but it's just, it's strange to say like, and I didn't even say goodbye to the dog, but no, it's very important. They go, so we take him to hospital, and at this point, they're basically just preparing him, making him comfortable, to, uh, you know, for his for his final days, and the doctor says, um, yeah, like unfortunately, you know, maybe a week, and he's in there for a few days. And the doctor says, you, you know, you're doing okay. Maybe another week. And we're spending a lot of time in the hospital, spending a lot of time up on the coast, driving to and from the coast. I'm still, you know, if it's you know an important gig, I still go and do the gig and, and then come back up in the day and or spend the night or whatever. But then it becomes clear on like the, th- on possibly the Wednesday or the Thursday, and they're saying, yeah, there's not, he doesn't have much longer. And I'm supposed to be going on tour on the Friday. I'm supposed to be going up and down the North Coast Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you know, Port Macquarie and a few other places. And we had to cancel those shows. And I remember dad being like, oh, don't, don't cancel them. It's like, just classic dad. Like, you know, I'm, I might not see you again, bud. Like, I don't want to be... I don't want to miss seeing you for the last time just because I was in Port Macquarie telling some people some some lols. Yeah, so we're in the we're in the hospital and you know throughout the last you know the last couple of days like people from his work are, are coming to visit him and you know uh, neighbors are coming to visit him and uh, well, like we have a Scottish neighbor uh, who I've, I've spoken about her in a previous pod and she'd be talking and uh, and like I said dad was very short and very snappy and he would come in and out of these like drug induced sort of hazes and at one point she made a joke and he sort of was sort of sat up a little bit and was like shush like shush and just shushed her like these people that had come to visit him and he and he shushed them i thought that was fantastic but uh now the thursday night spent a lot of time with him my bro- I think my brother had come up earlier in the week as well. And we spent some like late nights there together. I can't remember when he came up, but yeah. So the Thursday, Thursday night, mom and my wife and I, we went and had some dinner. And then they were saying, you know, you probably want to come in early tomorrow. And we were like, oh, oh yeah. And they were like, look, he's, he is deteriorating. You probably want to come in early tomorrow. And we left. We did leave the hospital quite late, but they were like, "You might want to come in early tomorrow." And we're like, "Okay, no worries." So we go in. We go in the next morning, and we're all just hanging out. And you know, we go in, and and Dad's very in and out of it. Um, sort of look at you, no real reaction, but you can kind of tell he's looking at you, looking, you know, hold his hand, all that sort of stuff. And there's only two chairs, so I'm sitting on the ground. I'm sitting on the ground. It's probably about 10 a.m. at this point. And you know, I'm talking, like talking to my wife, and I talk to my mom and go to the toilet, and you know, someone else goes to the toilet, and we're all just sitting around and people are coming in and checking vitals and all that sort of stuff, and everything's standard. And uh, yeah, probably about 10 o'clock, and I'm sitting there and I'm I've got a pillow on the ground and I'm I'm laying against the wall with this pillow and I'm just literally just flicking through 
uh, flicking through my phone. And then he just does like this big surge. Like he like sits up and he goes like, <gasps> and sits up and kind of looks around and then just bolts like, and then like, so he sits up, bolt upright, but then sits back down. And like, we all looked at each other and we're like, that was weird. Like kind of had a bit of a laugh, no, not a laugh, but yeah, kind of a laugh. We were like, that was strange. That was really weird. And then I go back to like, you know, just, I'm just on my phone talking to people, whatever. Um, you know, someone called and, and to see how he was and all that sort of stuff. And I come back in and I'm like, just laying on the ground and I'm actually, I'm flicking through the Fox sport app, looking through the Fox sport app, just reading the, reading the stuff, who's going where, like I said, the storm had won the NRL grand final a few weeks back and, you know, they were talking about the off season and who's going where and the A-League's on and the Mariners are the Mariners are playing games, that's for sure. Flicking through the app and then I just happened to like look up and my mum was like, I don't think he's breathing. And I went over to him and I like bent, like looked down to get to the level of him and I could see that he wasn't like his chest wasn't moving. So like put my fingers in front of his nose to feel and yeah, there's nothing happening. There's nothing happening. So I went out and I got the nurse, one of the nurses who'd been helping us. And I said, look, I think he's gone. Um, would you mind just coming in and checking? And she was like, oh, like seemed very surprised. Like, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, okay. And then she comes in and my wife and my mum and I are just standing there and she just gets out like a stethoscope and and checks his pulse and checks a few other things and then she just looks at us and she's like, yeah, he's gone. And we were just like, okay, all right. And my mum started crying and my wife started crying and I sort of, I was crying, but, you know, trying to be strong for, trying to be strong for them. And my mum went and held my dad's hand and, and sat with him. And, you know, then I sort of sat by myself for a little bit and broke down and really cried. Like I haven't really cried like that for a really long time. And I just sat there and I looked at him and I looked at, you know, I could look at old photos of him and he always had like, he always had like that look of like the old man, not old man, like the dad strength. You know, there's a lot of dads that, you know, even as they get older, like even my, my, my wife's dad right now, like, you know, he's got that old man strength. Like you look at him and you're like, I think he could beat me up. Like, I'm not sure, but I think he could. And that's what my dad always had. Like he always had, you know, the rugby, rugby player's body and, you know, obviously got older and, had a bit of a gut, but, but then there was just this shell of a guy. Like he, we had barely any hair and it was all white and stringy. And then there was what was left of a moustache and, and just a shell of a man. And I looked at that and it made me lose it. And I was just so angry. Something like cancer could take someone away like that. Like you... There's, there is, there's so many, this is such a, you know, a privileged thing to say being like, this is the hardest thing that's ever happened to me, but 
there's just so many things in the world that are right, but cancer is just so, so far up there. And fuck, it sucks. It truly does. Now, my mum was a wreck for, for a while. And I, like I remember, then it was up to me because, you know, Mitch can talk. Mitch can, Mitch is good at talking to people. I had to make some calls. So I, you know, I just, I sent a few messages to just close friends, but I called my brother, um, who was, he lives in Canberra and he, we had literally told him the night before that he needed to come up and he was leaving when I called him and I told him that dad had died. And yeah, that was a hard, that was a hard, hard phone call. I called my uncle and he was pretty upset. And I called my other uncle, my dad's other brother. And I called him, uh, I called him on a landline um, because that's what you do to old people. And he literally, I told him and he said, oh, that's no good. Oh, mate, that's no good at all. And I was like, no, it's not. And then he was like, all right, well, all right, thinking of you. And then he hung up and I was like, fucking what? Like, give me more, give me more than that. Like, that's your brother. That's someone that you've known for 70 years. Give me more than, oh, that's no good. And maybe that's, that's, and maybe that's rude of me to say, maybe that's his way of dealing with it. Maybe he got off the phone and bawled his eyes out. Or maybe he had had, like we all had, but you know, maybe he'd had the basically 12 months to prepare for it. But in that moment, I thought it was really just not enough. But so a week, like a week later, actually, yeah, a week, yeah, a week later, we had, uh, we had the funeral and yeah, I spoke at the funeral and it was, it was very therapeutic. My brother spoke at the funeral and my, my other, the other uncle, the younger uncle, my dad's brother, um, yeah, we put, we put a Razorbacks jersey on the coffin for him. A lot of his friends and family, uh, sorry, family, a lot of his friends from his job at Australia Post came and all the people from footy from back in the day and a lot of my friends and family and I spoke and it was, it was really therapeutic and I told like stories of, of growing up because he, you know, he was, he was the reason that I did comedy. He was the reason that I had a sense of humor. Like from the longest time that I can remember is the reason I found things funny or, you know, had, you know, made jokes was because he made jokes. And the reason I watched what I watched is because I would find him watching it or he would like, we had the video shop near our house, which would do five weeklies for five fifty. And he would let me get four of them and then he would get a fifth one and he would get like Monty Python or a fish called Wanda or fierce creatures, all, you know, all things like that. And he would introduce me to it. Alvin purple showed me Alvin purple when I was like four, 13, 14 for anyone who doesn't know what Alvin purple is. It's yeah, it's, it's erotic. It's risque, but not, not in a sus way, just in a like. Aussie exploitation way. But he showed me that. And he showed me Don's party. 
all these amazing movies. But I, you know, I, I became, I liked comedy because of him. Therefore, I became a comedian because of him. And I used what I've learnt on stage to tell stories. And a lot of the stories come from him, you know, me running away from home and, and him, him helping me run away from home. And just all, you know, all these great stories. And my, and my brother, my brother told these great stories and he had a, a fantastic analogy, which I can't remember now off the top of my head. But I just remember like when he said it, I was just like, wow, that's so spot on. But that was, you know, that was beautiful that day. That was beautiful. And, you know, we had the wake and the wake was great. Like it's so hard to see. There's so many people there and it's so hard to make your way around and, and see everybody. And But it was just great to see all of his old friends. And it sounds so stupid to say, but it's somewhere that I was just like, man, he would have loved to be here. Like, look at all these people. Like, what a cliche thing to say, but he would have loved to have been here. All these great people. And, uh, yeah, so we had, we had the wake. It was nice and we shared stories and, and told all, you know, my uncles told stories from childhood and people told me stories that they loved of him growing up and, and uh, you know, he had, a, he had a black and white dog, like we had a Dalmatian when I was growing up and my dad was a postman, so he used to say, you know, Postman Bob and his black and white dog and people would love it. And, uh, yeah, mum and... There's a little side fact. My mum, my mum, my wife and I went out to dinner that night and as we pulled up, uh, as we pulled up to park at the restaurant, across the road uh, was literally just, I just heard it and then out of the corner of my eye, I saw um, like just two like pretty Let's say Bogans, all right? Let's say Bogans. Just a guy and a girl. And the guy, like, was screaming at the girl and then pulled her by the hair. I just ran across her. And literally, as he, he, like, pushed her face up against the glass of a shop window. And, like, I just ran over there and, like, just grabbed, like, pulled him off and started yelling at him and stuff. And, of course, every day of the week I would do that. But... I don't know, that day it felt weirdly, this is so, I don't know, there's absolutely nothing in this, but that day it just felt really like, that's what I should do, and that's what my dad would want me to do. Obviously I would do it every day of the week, but that day just felt different. But yeah, we had dinner, and we had spring rolls, and it was delicious, but yeah, so that was my dad. It was my dad, Robert. Uh, he died November 3, 2017. And you know what they say in V for Vendetta. Remember the 3rd of November. That's not the saying, but I'm going to take it because I want to. But yeah, 3rd of November. He was diagnosed at the end of 2016 and he was gone by November 3, 2017. I got married in September 2017. So he got to see me, got to see me in all my glory, which is, I think, all he would have wanted. 
I'm sure he would have wanted to live. That's a joke. Uh, but yeah, I'm sure he was very happy seeing me get married. And I wish he was here today to see my daughter, to see how everything's going now, but he's not. And he, you know, not long after he, not long after he died, my, uh, my wife and I actually adopted a cat. And then we found out that the cat was pregnant and the cat had three kittens. And one of the kittens is just like super, his name's Max. He's just like really lovely, but he has a gigantic mustache across his face like my dad used to. So sometimes I like to imagine that my dad's been reincarnated as a cat that lives in my house, but, but he's not, but it's fun to think. So I think he's around. And sometimes, to be honest, Max is probably the most annoying cat out of the cats that we have. But then I cut him some slack because I remember that he could also possibly be my dad. Yeah, I wish he was around today. But yeah, thanks for letting me share. Thanks for coming to the DDS, to the Dead Dad Society. Now you guys can get off my bloody back. Now you know that my dad is dead. It's all confirmed. That's a really dark way to end the episode. <laughs> um, that was really therapeutic. And I loved talking to you guys. And hopefully now that the floodgates have opened, we can talk more. I'd love to hear your stories. I'd love to connect with people who have issue, issues. I'd love to connect with people who have issues. That'd be great. I'd love to connect with people that have similar stories, be it your mom, your dad, whoever, brother, sister. Let's just chat. Thanks for uh, being cool that I took some time off and uh, I'll see you guys again soon.